Every day, you make decisions that affect you and the people you care about. So do your elected officials. That's why elections are so important, because you are picking the leaders who will make choices that directly impact you and your community. Vote411.org is your tool for accurate and unbiased election information, whether you're registering to vote or learning more about your local candidates. Your vote is your megaphone. Use it to pick the leaders you trust. Get online, get the facts, and make your voice heard on Election Day. Moving forward. Hey, how's it? How's it? Oh, sorry about the, the time thing. Oh, no worries. No worries. It can be crazy. I, you know, I, I talk to so many people across the world that like my scheduling system sometimes like I'll get people call from New York and go, I didn't know it was at 1 a.m., bro. I was like, no, no, no. That's my time in Hawaii. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, my God. You know? so are so, you actually in Hawaii or are you on the continent? Uh, I'm in Maui. But then, like, oh, nice. I, I spent half of my time because, like, I just moving, moving back to Maui, at, you know. Oh, so, that's like, awesome. I, I'm still like bridging like half of my work in Hollywood on the mainland. So, like, it's this whole journey of like, how do I leave behind Hollywood? How do I bring fire back from the mainland? And then, how do I put it to work? And then, how do I like actually continue to do what I love and like in my community? So. Totally, I'm so proud of you for doing that. I grew up on the continent, and I was living in New York before I moved home and I totally get it. <laughs> I, re- I was it's raised hard, California hard side, uh, at Camp Pendleton, uh, Marine Corps base for most of my life. Yep. My grandfather, I grew up in Dana point. Yeah. See, there we go. You know? So, yeah. I mean, that's how most of us uh, travel the world is wise, you know, is like, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. That's right. so awesome. I'm, I'm glad you're home. It's good. It's good to be here and it's good. It's, and it's good to just like, get my hands dirty and do something important, you know? Totally. So, totally. And, and we're here to talk about you doing something important. So enough about me. <laughs> Let's talk are we, are about we on? You. Are we recorded already? Are we on? The thing? I'm always recording. Don't worry. You're always recording. <laughs> 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 oh God. You know, that's a, that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? I'm like, Oh man, I shouldn't have said that. No, I'm just yep. kidding. But don't worry. No, no gotcha questions here. So just yeah. good times, <laughs> but all right. Awesome. So I like, it. I, I didn't get to talk to you before the primaries. Uh so let's let's get into that first. How 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 was everything up to the primaries for you? Well, you know, I wasn't actually on the primary ballot because it's just myself and the incumbent running in this race. So so I didn't have to um I didn't have to um be as active as some of the other candidates because I was already going straight to the general. So I got to just campaign and um you know, in a in a calmer way, you could say. Yeah, no, I get you. You know, I now. was I was talking to Shane Sinensi about that because he had the same scenario, and you know, and it was it was definitely uh, you know we we figured it was a breath of fresh air because then you don't you're not pandering hard for votes, you're just working on the people. Exactly, I got to just build relationships and be in the community and talk story with people, and which you know I always love doing. Um, and but also you know as a new first time candidate. I had just decided to run like just a week before the deadline. So I was just still during the primary time, I was just getting myself together and figuring out, you know, how this whole election process works. There's definitely a learning curve and I'm grateful. I had so many mentors like Kiani and, 
and Shane and folks like that, um, and folks from from longtime county positions that were able to help me get up and running because it's a you know it's a whole nother. Um, it's like a full time job to run it a is. campaign, really and is. when you're new at it, it's like there's a, there's a huge learning curve. So I'm grateful for all the community support so I could do this. You know, uh, you know that that brings up a, a great thing to talk to folks in general about with with your case is you know one you got thrown right into the fire at the last minute, and this this is a first time foray. So like, is there is there anything that you can say to folks who want to attempt this? Uh, what to be prepared for if they ever try? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The the biggest thing is having a team of supporters, really, and and people who have done it before um, to help guide. There is a lot of support out there, but but the real thing is the passion and the drive to want to serve the community. If you have that, you can figure it out. Like anything, right? If if you have the passion and the desire, you'll you'll figure it out and you'll find a way to make it happen. And, you know, miraculously, people came forward and family members came forward and um, community members came forward and just pitched in because they believed in me and they believe in my vision for Aina or Vi or Kai or Evie and being able to protect all those things. And, you know, I, I mean, I had a reputation in our community enough that people already trusted me and so they were willing to <clears throat> to step up and back me in that way with their support, whether it was financial or um, or, you know, like we just had a senior fair this weekend and a former, um, someone that I knew uh, before, I haven't actually seen her in maybe seven or eight years, but she made these, she handmade these little yard signs to go in plants that I gave away at the Kupuna Fair. And it was just the most awesome gift of her time to be able to sit there and make 300 little mini yard signs to go inside of plants as giveaways for our kupuna and to, you know, grow food on our aina. Um, but, but besides the support, you know, there's just the, the, the dates. You have to have, you have to be good at a calendar. You have to file mm-hmm. this then, you have to file this then, you have to file with the campaign spending commission, which is super important so we can have transparency because of all the big money flooding our elections. Yes. We want to know who's getting what from who. And so that that's a big learning curve. Um, it's good to have an accountant who has done um, election work before, but if not, like I have an auntie, she's an accountant. She hasn't done election work before, but she's helping me. And so we're figuring out as we go, but it's a lot of work to keep track of all the expenses and expenditures um, because they all have to be detailed um, in the report so that the rest of the community can understand where your support and money is coming from. Yeah. So that's super important. But otherwise, you just need the drive and the passion to serve the people. Right on. And now, what would you say would be, like, the most, like, scariest, like, unprepared thing that, like, you just, like, anybody looking at it go, oh, yeah, shoots chansom. And then you're like, no, 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 be prepared for this. Well, it's <laughs> a lot of things. For me, I mean, my circumstance was, I would say different, but it's not really that different. The, the day, around the day that I filed my papers to run, I also got my 45-day notice and I had to move because my landlord wanted to um, renovate, quote-unquote, which, you know, generally means um, they're going to fix it up a little bit and rent it out for twice what you pay. Mm -hmm. And this is happening to our people all over Maui County. And this is, you know, one of the reasons that I wanted to run was to address the way that local people are being dispossessed again, especially Hawaiians. I'm like, here I am, a Hawaiian in my own homeland, and I'm being told by... Um, you know, someone who's not from here that I have to go, I have to leave my home um, because they want to renovate and, you know, get more money. So um, there, there are other candidates also that had the same situation 
um, and had to find new housing during this election season. So that was super challenging. But, um, you know, the, the thing about running for office is it's going to, you're going to be challenged. And sometimes that can be um, difficult. And I'm not going to say you need a thick skin necessarily, but you need to be able to understand and take criticism mm. and listen to what people are saying. Sometimes it feels like an attack, but it, it's not necessarily an attack. It's a critique. And I think people in public office and people who are running for public office have to be aware that that's part of the job. Not to be not to be attacked and not to be bullied. That's different. But to be able to accept critique and, um, you know, have enough of a political analysis that you can defend your positions with some clarity and some grace. So that's something that I think we all, whether we're running or not, need to be able to do, especially with social media nowadays and how... Um, how challenging it can be with different differing points of view, you know, and and the mudslinging and whatnot. We we don't have many um, news outlets. So the conversations tend to be packed in the same areas I notice on, on Facebook and then, you know, Instagram definitely got a deluge of, uh, um, how should I say, uh, election, uh, ill-informed election influencers. So right, like, there, right, there's right. a lot of so conversations where people get lost. I, I, I noticed we had quite a few satire pages that like went over the edge this past year. And then there were some disinformation pages that were just there to show up like once a week and give you guys guff. And, and I got to say that a yeah. lot of you guys responded pretty well, even though they wanted you to take it on the chin. Totally. Totally. That kind of stuff's kind of scary, but you know, like you have to take it with a grain of salt and understand where it's coming from. And, you know, oftentimes really the root of that, like a, like a lot of misinformation is coming from the sides of big money that are trying to, um, you know, create a narrative to uplift themselves. And they end up gaslighting, uh, you know, the people who are doing the good work mm-hmm. and, um, you know, trying to, trying to make themselves out to be the good guy when in fact they're actually the ones pulling the strings behind the scenes that are creating all the the problems in our community so it's you know it's important to be informed about those things and and like i said before have a political analysis i think a lot of folks just don't and you know and a part of that's because the education system the the miseducation system especially in hawaii especially when it comes to our political history you know my father's generation didn't have any, I think he had one Hawaiian class his whole entire educational career. And he's 80 now. And, you know, bless his heart. He's, he learns through my sister and I because we are so engaged and involved. But he never had that opportunity. And there are a lot of folks in our community who um, still don't know all of the, the facts because they were lied to. And, and, you know, that's part of the forced assimilation which is so problematic. And, you know, anytime you have indigenous people with forced assimilation, which is, you know, imperialism and capitalism. So I'm going down a whole nother train that it's probably not where I was meant to go. But, um, but you know, that those things are kind of at the root of a lot of our ills. And I feel like we need to have more education about those things and, and so that people can understand what is settler colonialism? What does it mean when offshore investors come in and buy up all the land? and push us out. This is not an isolated incident. This is a historical pattern that happens again and again to indigenous people to further marginalize us and basically erase us. 
and we're fighting so hard to come back from 129 years of erasure. And, you know, I think we're doing a pretty darn good job at it, but the fight, the struggle is every single day, mm-hmm. every single day. And it's painful, but the more we can educate our folks um, and the settler allies that we have so that we can really think about um, Pono solutions to these problems and have, you know, heighten our consciousness about them and have really good in-depth conversations. We, you know, the solutions are there, but we need, we need more folks really um, educated. And I'm not just talking about like academic knowledge. I'm just talking about knowing the truth. I mean, like, for example, a lot of folks in Hawaii have never read the apology bill. Have you ever read the apology bill? I have. Uh, but I luckily, I luckily come from a family of bureaucrats and people with stars and bars on their <laughs> chests and shoulders. So, like, it was yeah. kind of required. Like, I didn't even want to work for the United States government. But my grandfather was like, you either catching bullets for a couple of years or you're filing paper. So I went and I filed paper. Wow. I'm not going to catch wow. bullets. <laughs> yeah, no, no, there's no need to catch bullets. Oh, my gosh. Bullets from people that we don't even know shooting at people that they don't know. And for what? So some rich guys can make a lot of money. But, um, you know, that's my definition of war is rich people making more money. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the apology bill, like, I just want to bring it up because I only read it for the first time maybe like a decade ago. And I I still, I keep it on my desktop and I have a few copies in my backpack. <laughs> I pass it out to random people sometimes when they want to argue with me about our history. I'm like, no, no, this is not just me being a crazy, angry Hawaiian. This is, this is, the, this is the history that the United States admitted to, and this is their own law. It's 103-150, I think, public, mm-hmm. public, um, public law 103-150. Go look it up if you're listening. Um, but it, uh, the reason I like it is because it lays out the history, starting with how Hawaiian was a fully functioning, um, or or the, I, how do I say it? I'll say because we weren't Hawaiians uh, until Kamehameha united the island the islands and because he was from Hawaii Island, we all became Hawaiians. But prior to that, we weren't called Hawaiians. We were Kanakomali, Kanakoivi, et cetera. Um, and then Hawaiian became a term, term, a national term for a resident of, um, or citizen of the Hawaiian kingdom. But the apology bill lays out in detail what happened. And it talks about the overthrow, talks about how Cleveland specifically referred to the overthrow as an act of war against us. Um, and it details so, so well what happened. Um, and then it stopped short of having any kind of reconciliation, right? So we're still stuck in that point that the U.S. has admitted it, but they haven't actually taken any responsibility or kuleana for that um, or, you know, deoccupied and gotten out of Hawaii, which is something that we need to have happen. But um, why am I rambling about the, <laughs> about the apology? Because these, these are the kinds of things that need to inform our policy. Right. Even our Absolutely. local small town county council members, if we don't understand this history, if we don't know what settler colonialism is, then we look at things in an isolated way instead of a holistic way. And if we don't look at it in a holistic way, we're going to end up in the same boat we're in. We're going to be we're going to continue to be dispossessed from our land and we're going to be continue to be erased as Hawaiians. And the rest of the local population is getting priced out, too. Right. It's not just Hawaiians. Absolutely. It's all local people. So anyways, knowing that history is so important and that's part of what I want to bring, um, you know, into the council chambers if I should, if I should be victorious this time or next time or, you know, whenever in the future, because we can't heal if we don't, if we don't speak truth to what happened. Absolutely. I, I think that there's a, 
there's a lot that comes with understanding the history of how we got to now that prepares us in trying to undo a lot of what shouldn't have been there. You know, I, I personally yeah. like to draw a lot of the similarities between what Puerto Rico and American Samoa is facing right now. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, American Samoa is caught in that crucial point of like, do we want to try to become a state, you know, and fight like Puerto Rico does? Or do we, like, are we thinking we're, we're sacrificing our culture if we homogenize with America? And then like everything, mm-hmm. that they, cause like, I mean, we, we've got the apology act and the Jones act, but then they've got the Jones act and they've got like the insular cases and documents. And I think it's like yeah. really, really like, severely arcane to think that like they're still ruled by like a 150 year old piece of paper that says they're savages i know i know i know but you know what the, the united states still is is functioning under the doctrine of discovery yes that's 500 years old and it basically says that native people aren't human they don't see us as human and they have the right to terra nullis manifest destiny to take any land that they want if the people there aren't christian then they're, they're automatically considered considered savages and not human. So, like, I mean, that kind of history, this is, this is this is the root of imperialism all over the world, including, you know, American Samoa and Puerto Rico and Hawaii and Guam and the Philippines and Palestine, for that matter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, <laughs> we, have, we have a historical reference to understand and unwind and, you know, um, to pull apart all these pieces. He calls colonization like worms in our brain. And it's our job would be decolonize to pull these worms out of our brain and be like, wait, that's not true. That's not real. Well, I learned this, but is that really the truth in the universe? No, get rid of it. You know, so I'm like constantly pulling brains out of my, uh, worms out of my brain. Um, I love that analogy because the, the misinformation was so heavy handed and yeah, I mean, American, American Samoa and, and Puerto Rico are, are uh, Bordigan brothers and sisters are struggling. They're struggling, just like we are. And it breaks my heart to see our indigenous people suffer because of imperialism. And But they're so resilient, like we are, right? Mm-hmm. They're still fighting. They're still standing up. They're still speaking truth to power um, and trying to really navigate it. It's not black or white. It's not black or white at all, and it takes it takes everybody's voices to come to the table to gather to gain consensus, really, about how we need to move forward. So, how does this oh, yeah. how does this unpack and relate to your campaign? And what what's what's the <laughs> biggest what's the biggest part uh, of your campaign right now that you really want to stress to people as they think about who to vote for? Um, the health and well being of our people in place. That's really the root the root of my politics. I'm a healthcare worker. I have a master's in science and traditional oriental medicine. And the way that, you know, I'm really grateful that I went to school and studied Chinese medicine because um, being a diaspora Kanaka, growing up on the continent, I didn't have a lot of access to indigenous wisdom. As I said, my father was um, disconnected and cut off from the culture because of, of settler colonialism. And, um, you know, I feel like a lot of what I do is really to avenge avenge his what happened to him and, and his parents. Um, but, you know, for healing, but, you know, in Chinese medicine school, we learn to look at the body holistically and, and we learn that the body is a mirror of nature, right? So when we're looking at the meridians in our body, it's like the rivers and if the tree falls in the river and it blocks the path of the water. 
one area is going to dry out and another area is going to flood. So it's our job as an acupuncturist and herbalist to remove that blockage so things can flow freely. So I use this analogy because when I think about governance and I think about um, how we take care of our island, we have to look holistically like that. And I'm so grateful for Chinese medicine because what it did was it set me up to be able to understand our Hawaiian ways of thinking when I moved home 15 years ago. And I was like, oh, I totally, it makes perfect sense when I started to really um, process the Ike Kupuna that I was receiving when I moved home from Kupuna that I came to to um, care for here in Maui um, and really just love and build relationship and Pilina with. So when we're talking about, count the, you know, County governance, really what we're talking about is Aina management and people management. And we have to go back to our traditional indigenous practices of Malka Tumakai resource management. We have to look at how we care for each other. <laughs> is everyone fed? Is everyone sheltered? <laughs> is, is everyone um, able to live a life that that they can celebrate and, and have olad, have real life. And that's the way our kupuna thought, you know. Everything was was about kono and balance and being connected and interdependent with our natural world and the natural phenomena. We saw them as a kua, but it doesn't matter what you call them. That's Those are things that give life, right? Water, um, fresh water, seawater, baikai, aina, and even our ibi kupuna, who are a source of nourishment and mana for us when the bones go back into the ground. They nourish us for generations to come into all of perpetuity. So for me, my campaign is about reminding folks and, and making sure that that's a part of the conversation that we're talking about our, you know, what the, in Western we call resource management. My kupuna that um, I take care of, he always tells me, don't say resources. It's so, you know, it's so holly. He's like, I go, what should we say? And he says, come out, come out, come out, come out, right? Come out. The mea, the things, they come from how mea, Mother Earth, abundance, fruitfulness, life, right? The, the mother gives life, our aina gives life. And all of these things are come out, come out, come out. So that, I'm sorry, I just, I tend to get really passionate about this and I go on and on, but it's because the capacity for, for, um, for life, for Ola exists in all of us. And we have to have the political will to make the decisions to protect those things that give us life. And that really is what the root of my campaign is about so that we can have Ola, we can have health and well-being, Maoli Ola for our Lahui. Dig it. Dig it. So <laughs> I I would love to talk about the charter amendments because I'd love to have more voices on the matter. Um, are, out of the charter yes. amendments, are there any ones that you'd really like to bring to the forefront and why, why we should be voting on them? Well, definitely number 12, which is the water, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, if, if anybody doesn't already know what water in Hawaii, water anywhere is one of the most precious resources that we have. No water. No life, period. It's so it's so simple. It's like it's like point number one and you know one hundred one of life. You have to have water, but it's been um, you know diverted and controlled by big money, plantation interests, and now real estate interests. And um, the water has to remain in the hands of the people. And it, it, I shouldn't say remain because it hasn't been for the last hundred and twenty nine years. It has to be returned to the hands of the people. We need our Kalo farmers on, on board with 
informing us how we need to manage the water. We need the people directly affected, our Kanakamali who have, you know, um, ancestral knowledge about how the water should be managed. These are the people that need to be guiding the conversation and protecting our waters. But, you know, for the past 129 years, it's been plantation. And now we have, you know, EMI and AMB and Mahipono and, um, you know, and nothing against the people who work for those companies. And, you know, a lot of the guys that do the EM and, and Wahine who do the EMI ditches, they have so much knowledge about it. And those are the people who should absolutely have jobs and be tapped going forward to um, to help manage and redo these systems, these LY systems, along with our um, Kalo farmers and Kuleana landowners. But it has to go back into the hands of the people. So that's a super important one to me. Um, one of the other ones that I'm that I really feel strongly about is um, having the county council be involved with the selection of people on boards and commissions. Yes. Um, I'm trying to remember what number it is. It's I want to say it's four. A oh, four is for the planning commission specifically. Um, wait, hang on. Um, no, I, uh, I think it's number ten. Ten A. Ten A. Yeah. 10A. yeah. Um, because here's what happened. This has been my observation. I've been an advocate in the community for a long time. This is another reason why I felt like I could run because I've, I've made so many observations about how the county government works and how boards and commissions work and how um, people with money and influence end up on boards and commissions and they end up making decisions that affect the rest of us. And oftentimes it'll be... Um, developer interests mm -hmm. and so like the planning commission for example is stacked with developers and real estate people not regular people but people people who have a financial interest in the decisions that they make Spectators. and for me that's not right yeah. but in the past you know the mayor selects them and it goes before the county council to to um to confirm them but the council never knows who else applied all they get to do is say yes or no to the mayor's appointee. And so without that kind of information, um, we end up with a skewed skewed boards and commissions based upon the agenda of whoever the mayor happens to be at the time. But this charter amendment will actually create a group of people who will sort of vet through different applications and be able to give the council a wider range of choices. So I'll give you a quick example. Last, last month, um, well, this month, actually, it's not November yet, right? Um, this month, there was some folks who were who was being um, confirmed for the Board of Water Supply. And the council came to find out that there's someone else who applied who was way more qualified. She happened to be a Kanakamali Wahine attorney who specializes in water law. I mean, like, she's the perfect candidate, but her name like, never even came up. So this other person who's in, in an industry that, that could benefit and have conflict of, in conflict of interest, he was actually um, appointed by the mayor. And so the council thankfully denied this person and said, hey, we should, we should be able to see these other um, applicants before we make a choice. Because there are people who are more qualified that don't have a conflict of interest and we should be able to have be able to make an informed decision. So that's one of the charter amendments. That's 10A, I think. Um, and I hope that everybody votes for it because we really need that kind of transparency. Otherwise, we end up with a good old boy network, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> plantation politics mm -hmm. that got us into this problem, causing our people to get displaced in the first place. So, yeah. 
Uh, agreed. No, there's a lot of long-term cronyism that occurs because of that. Because I've noticed, like, coming coming back to Maui and trying to, like, understand everything. Because, like, when I left, I was a kid. And so then coming Ooh. back as an adult, everything I learned, like, watching whether it's, like, how is water not a regulated resource by the government in a place so finite and small with resources? And then how how do people get put into these positions? And then I notice in some cases, looking into some of these commissions, these people appointed, some of them get, get in there for years because then, like, if a mayor's distracted enough, it's like, oh, well, I don't need to replace him. He's fine in there. Like, everybody's right. happy with it. And it's like nobody's happy with it, but the people – that would normally tell them to get somebody out aren't saying anything because they don't care. Right, right. Mm. Or they're benefiting. They're benefiting. Oh, yeah. It's not even that they don't care. I mean, like, we have people who are who are even county employees, like appointees. Um, for example, former um, director of public works, you know, is also a developer. So he would cycle in and out of... This happens all the time. They cycle in and out of county government um, having positions of power, institutional power, where they, they create rules and policies and regulations that benefit them. And then when they leave the county, they go back into the private sector. And they benefit from everything that they set up and establish in the relationships they built. And it's not, you know, it's not Pono, it's not transparent, it's not fair. And these are generally the people that are building big luxury developments or sand mining, for example. I was a big proponent to stop sand mining back in 2017, and we got the sand mining moratorium passed. Um, because our sand contains Kupuna, the central Maui sand. And in one year, this one company, Maui Partners, a.k.a. the Mills Group, in 2016, uh, made $30 million off of our sand. $30 million. Yeah. Because they owned all the companies, like they owned the barge, they owned the cement company on Oahu, they owned um, the trucking company, um, and you know one of the one of the um, people in that development, I can't remember his exact position, but he used to be in the planning department in the county, so he knew exactly how to how to apply for the permits in such a way that they could get away with taking out all the sand. Mm. which was actually illegal because they were in a residential area and, and they were supposed to get a special use permit and they never did. And then when they got, you know, after the county found out, they got a slap on the wrist. That's it. There's no consequence. So these are the kind of issues in the county government that really have to get cleaned up. Um, or, again, we're going to be in the same situation over and over and our people are going to pay the price. Agreed. Agreed. So... Beyond the vote, beyond voting for the likes of you and people who who think about the people, what can we do starting January to keep this fight going? Oh, my gosh. Starting January, for me, one of the most important things is getting safe shelter for our houseless community, especially our Kanaka Mali. Our Kanaka Mali should never be houseless in our own homeland. And that doesn't mean that they need traditional, or I shouldn't say traditional, conventional housing. That's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to conform to that. And nor should they have to, especially our Kanakamali. But there's no reason that we cannot have a managed encampment um, that, that is clean and safe and holistic and brings healing services to our people that need it most. You know, people on the streets are exhausted. Mm -hmm. It is so hard to be houseless. And there's such a terrible stigma and terribly they get talked about in the most derogatory ways. And, and like some of these people are family. They're just people and they're struggling. Yes. And the service, the services that are available are not sufficient. 
and um, and sometimes downright harmful. I, I have to say, I witnessed I witnessed that to be the case. So for me, uh, one of the first things I want to do, and I'll tell you, I'll do this whether I win or not. Like if I don't win, I'm gonna still be advocating it from you know this side. And if I if I do get into office, I'll be advocating it for from that side. But either way, we have to take care of our people. We need to build a culture of care. That's what's missing. <laughs> we have so many people who are depressed, suicidal, um, just feeling so terrible, especially after the pandemic and everything that's going on, the chaos in the world. And we have to build, we have to build a world where we care about each other or you know, we're not going to survive the next pandemic. We're not going to survive if the ships stop coming because of any number of reasons. You know, from climate change to nuclear war, we have to take care of each other. We have to know our neighbors, and we have to allow each other. We have to, and that starts. You know, like well, it it almost always starts from the Makaiinai level. Yeah, like the people, but but the government. You know, like I'm, it's so weird to think about even going into government. I'm not going into it because I love government. I'm going into it to help fix government so that it's for the people. So. Um, you know, the, the county government can do so much more. There's, there is funding. There is money. People always say, there's no money. I'm like, there is money. It's it is just, a lot of it's, money. Being, it's being misallocated. And yes. we can get more money from taxes from rich people. Sorry, but I, I have no qualms about saying that. Oh, when no, we go have ahead and eat some the rich. The, I'll, the I'll get you a spoon. <laughs> we have some of the, Maui County is one of the wealthiest counties in quote unquote America. Yeah. We have some of the richest, we have Larry Allison and Jeff Bezos. In Maui County, those are two of the richest people in the world. And it's disgusting. It's it's immoral that we have Kanaka Maui people sleeping on the streets and dying. While at the same time, we have the wealthiest billionaires who could never, ever spend all their money in their whole life, even if they tried. It, the, the dichotomy is so disgusting. And I am all for... For higher property taxes or for the uber rich and use it to pay for like they're not even gonna they're not even gonna flinch they're not gonna miss it oh, you no, could take a billion dollars away you could take a billion dollars away from jeff bezos and he wouldn't like he, yeah. how would he even notice yeah right exactly i mean it's like nothing that's like a penny and you know if those people are gonna be i would prefer that they weren't here but since we since we can't like technically um, make them leave at this point. I'm happy to take their money and use it to subsidize our people who are literally dying on the streets. I have no problem doing that. So that's like one of the first things that I want to work on um, when I get into office. Right on. So uh, before you go today, could you tell folks how to interact with you, find you online and support your campaign? Absolutely. So folks can go to voteihea.com. That's V-O-T-E-A-H-I-A dot com. My Facebook campaign page is Noilani Ahia, A-H-I-A, for Maui County Council. And my Instagram, which I am still learning how to use. Thank you very much. Um, let's see. What is my Instagram? I have to double check because I can't remember. Sorry. Hang on, hang on. Home. Um, there I am. Vote idea from Molly Council. Right. That's my Instagram. Uh, and people can reach out anytime and just message me and I'd be happy to talk story. Um, I love getting to know the community and hearing what people's needs are. 
and finding solutions. Definitely about living in the solutions. Dig it. Well, we'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes. Nolani, mahalo for making the time and coming on. Uh, Mahalo, oi. I I absolutely look forward to catching up with you again if you'll have me. Absolutely. I can't wait. Awesome, awesome. Well, until then, best of luck on the campaign trail. Thank you so much, and congratulations on making your way back home, and I wish you all the best, and let me know how I can help. Absolutely. All right, well, you take care. You too. Thank you so much. Aloha. Have a great day. Oh, we all.